Welcome. Step right in. Take a look around. I promise that no matter who you are, we've got something here for you. Think of any creature, any companion, any friend. We've got it. It's our business to provide to you our value customer. Anything that you could possibly think of. Anything at all. So, think real hard. Because we've got all that and more here at Zack and Griffin's Multiversal Pet Shop. Why, hello, everybody. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> well, hello. Welcome, everybody, to this fantastic episode of Zach and Griffin's Multiversal Pet Shop. <laughs> Are we doing Yeehaw Pet Shop again? <laughs> no, this this is uh, 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 Zach and Griffin's Cajun Bayou. I don't know. <laughs> Hi everyone, welcome back. I'm Griffin. That's hi, Zach. Hi, I'm Zach. Um, um apologies, just going right into it. Uh, your boy's yeah. got COVID, so I'm gonna maybe sound <laughs> awful during this. We'll see how it goes. Yeah. No, no worries. Appreciate any sentiments, but from what Zach has told me, he's in a pretty good place. I'm so. doing aight. I'm doing aight. So, um, so we're just gonna have we're gonna have really deep voiced uh, radio velvet Zach on this episode. Most definitely. <laughs> you, when you do that, though, are you intentionally going into an accent, or did that, that just happen? That, that I, I think I, like I tried to get sort of like that smooth jazz kind of, <laughs> but instead full, I, I uh, get the long southern draw. You went full Bartholomew too. Yeah, yeah, my fantastic uh, 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 maple syrup magnet Bartholomew yeah. Thibodeau. <laughs> But anyway, we've uh, got a, a, a here for you with another cavalcade of pals uh, to yes. talk about. Our first episode of the new year. Of the new year. Uh, yeah. And so we figured we, we'd s- start this beautiful brand new year by diving into, uh, once again, into the Dome of Beasts by good old Cobalt Press. Because they got some good shit. Some wild shit. Some wild shit, that's for sure. But uh, before that... It's everyone's favorite recurring opening bit segment. Pet news. Bad news. Oh, it's really good with the yeah, lower register. Yeah, it really got there. This episode of Pet News comes to us from The Dodo. This headline reads, Hawk just can't understand why this duck isn't afraid of him. <laughs> <laughs> what? Chances are, this handsome hawk never imagined his role as an apex predator could ever be questioned, carrying in on confidence that his supremacy would always go unrivaled. But then he met his match. And then the picture shown is a hawk um, standing in the grass with one taloned foot up, and it is just full on this duck's face. However... Jesus Christ. The twist comes... When the hawk doesn't realize that this duck is simply a decoy figurine of a duck. (laughs) No, buddy. And this hawk is just like, the little video here is the hawk just like, like jumping around, just trying to, like it's, it's batting at it and its wings are flapping and it is just trying to intimidate the fuck out of this duck. It's like standing on its head at one point. What a guy. Um, what a guy. And it's what just so, guy. so baffled, so confused, so perplexed. And eventually the hawk gives up and does fly away. Oh, little um, bud. But that, sometimes these headlines are, are exactly what, <laughs> what the entire, what inspires the pet news. So, um, this poor, poor stupid bird. Was there a name for the hawk? <laughs> no, I think this was just a random wild hawk. I'm going to name them spanky okay spanky and the duck uh that sounds like a good like radio show (laughs) (laughs) welcome back to spanky and the duck (laughs) (laughs) it's no mordecai and the beast but no it's i would say it's yeah it's it 
It's like maybe third in the ratings. Spanky after Duck. after Mordecai and the Beast get fired for not showing up to work at all all the time, um, they hire Spanky and the Duck. There you go. Yeah, yeah they're they're the the weekend radio show. Mm, yep, and they yeah. got bumped up to the primetime slot. Yeah, they get they get moved up when when Mordecai and the Beast don't show up for work. Yeah, because they're Good off work, you know, being being superheroes and shit secret superheroes anyway uh diving back in we're, we're just coming at you with a with a good old-fashioned non-themed episode just a, a bunch of critters that we thought looked cool and wanted to talk about from cobalt press's tome of beasts home of beasts zach would you like to kick us off i would love to the first one it's i want it, it, it's it's a, it's our smallest i think of the day I think so. And that well, maybe is maybe second smallest. Maybe. We'll, we'll 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 do a comparison when the time comes. Yeah. But this is the bone crab. Bone crab. Bone crab is ready. <laughs> so, bone crab. It is essentially a I would say a, a, it's a small beast. It's not tiny. So, mm. it's it's small. It's a small hermit crab inside mm-hmm. what looks like a saber-toothed tiger's skull, hmm. like as the shell for the hermit Dope. crab. And man, oh boy, does this this hermit crab's face look mean! Yeah, it's kind of got like maybe a third eye or something on its forehead. Yeah, or like a gem or something. It's it it's it's a mean looking crab. Oh, actually, I'm going to read the description here. It says a bone crab's cracked skull scurries forward on bone white legs these tainted crustaceans make discarded oh. craniums their home <laughs> tainted crustaceans what a phrase good I- afternoon baltimore we are the tainted crustaceans oh my here <sighs> anywho much like an enormous hermit crab bone crabs inhabit the remains of large fish Humanoids and other creatures. Oh, yep. A bone crab's spiny, ivory white legs blend in perfectly with bones and pale driftwood. When lacking bones, these crabs gnaw cavities into chunks of driftwood or coral to make a shelter, cementing bits of shell and debris to their portable homes. All crabs fight over choice skulls. That's a choice skull. That's a choice skull right there. Bone crabs are voracious scavengers. They live in seaside crags and coves where they use their specialized. Ooh, I want to. I wanted to say chele, but I don't think that's right. Chele, googling. C H E L A E. Uh, Apparently, the singular is pronounced kila. So, Kile? We're going to go with that. A pair, each pair of hinged pincer-like claws terminating from the anterior limbs of crabs, lobster, or scorpion, typically curved and sharply pointed and used for feeding, defense, and courtship. There you go. Specialized. So, it's a, it's a crab claw. Yeah. Kile. Chile. Kile. Wait, Kile. sorry. Hang on. Kila. Kile. Kile. There we go. To crack open skulls. To crack open skulls. I can sh- and feast on the brains. Centuries of such feeding... <laughs> yeah. Centuries of such feeding have given bone crabs a collective intelligence. Oh! Some crabs retain fragments of memory from those they devour, and these oh! crabs recognize friends or attack the foes of those whose skulls they wear. What the fuck, bone crabs? <laughs> this is the best part of the show, because Zach and I don't read this shit in advance. Oh, this is great. Bone crabs hunt packs, preying on seabirds and creatures stranded in tidal pools. They drag aquatic prey across the high tide line and leave it to fester in the hot sun. Yep. They pick corpses clean in a few hours, so their hunting grounds are littered with cracked and sun-bleached bones. The perfect hiding place for these littoral predators? Oh, go Googling again. Litoral? Mm-hmm. I wanted to say literal. But it's, yeah. Uh, well, it's pronounced literal. Apparently. Oh, is it literal? Relating to or situated on the shore of the sea or lake. There you or go. a lake. Literal. 
these but literal predators. L-I-T-T-O-R-A-L. Yeah. Weird. Literal. Let's see. Man, bone crabs don't fuck around. They don't fuck around. Because they eat carrion, bone crabs often carry disease. White white ghost shivers, which rack victims with uh, fever and delirium. Oh, man. Although they can't be domesticated, they can be convinced to nest in particular areas, uh, attacking intruders while ignoring the area's regulars. (laughs) Okay. And they've got a weird hive mind. They can communicate perfectly with all other bone crabs within 100 feet. If one is aware of danger, they all are. Because they eat brains together? What what, what was the... Centuries of feeding have given bone crabs a collective intelligence. Yeah, they So what, do they they all eat, like, one piece of the same brain? And that's just like, ah, yes, we are Kevin. We are Kevin. (laughs) Shit. Uh, But yeah, let's... So, uh, ooh. Also, the leap that they have... Leaping crabs. Incredible powerful legs can leap up to 10 feet straight ahead or backwards. That's, yeah, they're <laughs> tiny, so that's a big jump. They're pretty can slow. Can you imagine a swarm of these things, though, just scuttling towards you and I then d- springing off the sand? Yeah, I do want to read the white ghost shivers here. The yeah, the, the, most, the most pirate-sounding disease ever. The white ever. ghost shivers. Arr, me boys. I've been afflicted with the white ghost shivers. A living creature that is injured by or makes physical contact with a creature carrying the white ghost shivers must succeed on a DC-11 constitution saving throw at the end of the encounter to avoid becoming infected. This disease manifests after 24 hours, beginning as a mild chill, but increasingly severe after a day, accompanied by a fever. uh, Hallucinations are common. And the fright they induce lends this to, uh, lends the disease its name. At onset, the infected creature gains two levels of exhaustion that cannot be removed until the disease is cured by lesser restoration, comparable to magic or rest. Oofa. The infected creature makes another DC-11 constitution saving throw at the end of each long rest. At a successful save, removes one level of exhaustion. If the saving throw fails, the disease persists. If both levels of exhaustion are removed by successfully saving throws, the victim uh, has recovered naturally. Interesting. That's fucked up. That's really cool. Just uh, in terms of mechanics real quick, there's not enough. Like, that's a, that's a very in-depth way of handling a disease, which I think is very cool. Yeah. We don't see a lot of those in D&D. Uh, and I like that this is also the most pirate-sounding illness you could possibly have the next white, to scurvy yeah. the white ghost shivers Very you'll good. be you'll your head will be spinning your bones will be shaking and Ooh. you'll be shitting out the hole in your hip do you have a why are I we... from where the bone crab grabbed me boy oh okay I was like what but captain why do you have a hole in your hip he latched on and I ran for 30 leagues. How does your until gastro... Until he finally pulled off. But, Captain, how does your gastrointestinal system feed into the hole in your hip? Hmm? What's you that? Said, you said you'll be shitting out of the hole in your, your hip. Don't question me, boyo. Oh, sorry, Captain. All my stories are true. I'm turning a little Scottish. <laughs> hey, so that could be a Scottish pirate. Who knows? That's very true. New lore. I mean, like, if you really think about it, the the classic pirate accent is just a gruff Irishman. Ah, yeah, that's 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 fair. All those all those schmucks just coming down to the to the Caribbean. Yeah, taking right. our oranges what and the our hell sugar you think cane. You're doing me, boyo. <laughs> but uh, I mean, yeah, though they can't be domesticated, you could sort of you know build a nice nest for them, let them move in. Yeah. And, you know, they'll probably just leave you alone and, and give anyone who comes to visit the White Ghost Shivers. It seems like they're great for, like, seagull management. Oh, definitely. But then again, it, well, think about this, though. Like, what if the seagulls get the White Ghost Shivers? And so they have a bunch of tweaked out hallucinating seagulls everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> and they're you know crashing into buildings, shitting on what? Well, granted, they shit on whatever at the moment, but like yeah. it's going to be even worse. 
It does say that a living creature. It doesn't specify like humanoid. Exactly. But they. But like, I feel like if a bone crab got its uh, its chile on a, a seagull, that that seagull's just toast. That seagull's dinner. Oh, definitely. So, but yeah, for the strand for the the stray surviving seagull. Just flying in circles, and then it'll just bonk its head on a building somewhere, and then it'll be fine, and then it'll be more bone crab food. Well, all right. Yeah. Man, it's, it's mean mugging me right now. <laughs> Homie. Well, it doesn't it's it's fun because it's like it, with the picture in the book, it's kind of like um the like alien with the little like tongue mouth, you know? Oh yeah, as you know more. It looks like. A xenomorph, because it looks like a little face inside the mouth that's of the fair. bigger face. That's, that's pretty good. <laughs> also, the fact that it like can use the skeletons of like fish—that's yeah. that'd be a weird sight. Have imagine a bone crab in like a like an anglerfish's fucking oh! skull, like skull. Yikes, dog! Do you think multiple bone crabs could like jointly occupy like a like a shark? like skeleton honestly why not and like work together with that hive mind to become just like a bigger better bone crab here's yeah do you think that like when bone crabs have like birthday parties that like you know like the adult (laughs) bone crabs like team up with like you know like a long like shark skeleton (laughs) kind of like how you know like they'll do the horse costume with the person in the front and the back (laughs) They put a bunch of they put a bunch of seagull skeletons together to make a grim piñata. A grim piñata. <laughs> oh man, grim piñata is pretty good. Well, uh, I think we've I think we've run the gamut on uh, on, on bone, bone crabs. crabs. All right, yeah. that's fine. We can, I, I'm happy leaving these bone crabs in our rearview mirror. Because yeah, if y'all if y'all would like some bone crabs, uh, in case in case it's been a few episodes since you've joined us, um, we, we we you can no longer find us at the Bermuda Triangle. Um, instead, you can find us in uh, scenic Bjerringbro, Denmark. Um, actually, before we move on, I want to pull something up. To, if I can remember uh, seeing this, where was it? Ah, shoot, I had like one of those dumb facebook news article Mm pop-ups and i and i glanced over it and it wasn't until i closed it that i realized what it said and i think it said something about our uh uh, alma mater and some in some sort of sporting event beating bemidji state whoa and i was like what the fuck man (laughs) anyway uh our next creature of the day du jour is vine lord the vine lord I think I don't think Vine Lord is a singular entity because it, it does it does there are talk of Vine Lords plural Vine Vine Lord, <laughs> but still covered with dark green bark and twining tendrils, this long-limbed humanoid exudes a palpable aura of fear. Vine Lord kind of just looks like a green dude, mm-hmm. but covered in like roots and. Uh, Kind of like, kind of maybe a la poison ivy a little bit with all of the, all the vines and stuff. Yeah, except wrapping around. Except it's flat in the front like Ken. Yeah, flat in the front like Ken. No abs. No no ass. And um, kind of a big red cyclops eye. Yeah, I mean, granted, like it looks f- like the head's head. turned to the side, so there may be another eye back there. But you think so? I mean, it looks like like he saw a hole in his head to the side, so you're just seeing like yeah. the glow from the one eye. Like you can kind of mm. see like the, like this. I'm gonna I'm gonna choose to believe that he only has one eye. Ah, that's fine. That's, that's just that's, that's just that's my rad. so like that's what I feel in my heart. I'm fine with that. The melding of flesh and vine. Vine lords are formed from the union of full-grown tendril puppets and the force-grown descendants of plant folk. Their servants include most plant species, including tendril puppets and vine troll skeletons. Vine lords seek to expand and empower forests and jungles in their service. Uh, blah, empower forests and jungles in the service of their patron gods and demons, or simply to expand their own power. In many cases, they compel trees to walk into grasslands or plowed fields on moonless nights, claiming that territory for the trees. For the trees. Now, vine lords here are listed as lawful neutral, which I think is interesting. Huh. 
Just, uh, you know, one with the forest. They are plants. They are medium-sized, you know, kind yeah. of the humanoid shape. Uh, but, 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 but they do speak common, which okay. is kind of wild. So Day's pretty smart. They got magic resistance. They got regeneration. They uh, ignore movement restrictions and damage caused by natural undergrowth with nice. their green strider ability. And they have a, a couple of uh, cool abilities here. They have spore sacks. Oh, I love it. The Vine Lord can release seeds from specialized sacks on its tendrils. These seeds sprout into green spore pods that reach maturity in up to three days. The pods contain noxious spores that are released when the pod is stepped on, picked, or otherwise tampered with. A humanoid or beast that inhales these spores must succeed on a DC-14 constitution saving throw against disease, or tendrils start growing inside the creature's body. If the disease is not cured within three months, the tendrils take over the creature's nervous system, and the victim becomes a tendril puppet. Yikes. There's actually there's actually a little uh, stat block for tendril puppets down here too, and uh, some art, and it nasty. Oh, it real. Oh, oh, it's like a it's like a plant zombie basically. Yeah, it's a dude, and it's got plants just like growing into his eyes and out of his mouth. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I hate it. Uh, vine lords can attack with their claws and their tendrils, and can also use an ability called Awaken the Green. The Vine Lord magically animates one or two trees it can see within 60 feet. These trees have the same same statistics as a treant, except they only have intelligence and charisma of one. They can't speak. They only have the slam action. And uh, an animated tree acts as an ally of the Vine Lord. The tree re... Uh, the, tra- blah, 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 blah. the tree remains animate for one day or until it dies. Or until the Vine Lord dies is more than 120 feet from the tree. Or until the Vine Lord takes a bonus action to turn it back into an inanimate tree. The tree then takes root if possible. So they can just tag some trees and be like, hey, hmm. smash. Go. Go get them. Yep. They're just a uh, cool, angry forest uh, warlords, basically. Yeah. With their uh, with their tendril puppets that they can make. I wonder if like if like you could like if you meet like a chill one, like a chill vine lord, like say like their name's like Cindy and you're like hey, mm-hmm. hey you like you're you're pretty good friends with Cindy and and like Cindy could like whip you up a pretty fucking baller like treehouse probably ooh yeah like you you wander out into the woods into the wilderness and you know it's dark and it's spooky and you know you're wearing you know your cardigan and your capris and you're you're out there and just looking for Cindy and then she appears it's like, oh, hey, hey, Cindy. And, and Cindy just kind of like, Cindy's like, yeah. what are you doing here? Well, um, it's, um, it's my little Bethany's 12th birthday tomorrow. And, um, oh, that's, oh, I, I love yeah, Bethany. She's a, she's a good one. She, <laughs> um, you know, she, she talks about you all the time. She's pretty cool. Yeah. I just was wondering if you maybe could do me a favor and, um, yeah, what's whip that? Just a, just maybe uh, we got the you know that that willow tree in the backyard um, that you put there for us, and I was wondering if you maybe just if it wouldn't be too much trouble just to kind of whip up a dope ass treehouse. Oh, bitchin, bitchin. This is a hard voice to do. I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm, I'm gonna take that line one more time. Oh, bitchin, bitchin is hard to say like that. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> to translate, Cindy bitchin. says, "Oh, bitchin." And, and, and then the scene continues on. Oh. The scene continues on. <laughs> I love you so much. Zach's pushing his vocal abilities. Yeah, don't go too hard, my boy. Yeah, hey, what can we, we still got 30 minutes of episode left. Yeah. Uh, Vine Lords and their uh, tendril puppets also have something called Root Mind. Nice. Within its home forest or jungle, the Vine Lord or Tendril Puppets, uh, they have their blind sight, their innate blind sight, extends up to 60 feet. Shit. As opposed to the normal 30. Uh, it automatically succeeds on all perception checks, and it cannot be surprised. <whistles> so you just cannot sneak up on these things. I, mean, I love that, it's, it's, honestly. It's, it's like a spider, you know, like when they can feel the, the vibrations and the webs and shit. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. I love that shit because there's not cool. enough there's not enough hyper specific mechanics like that in five e yeah. in the standard monster manuals. Because, like, you know, rogues at high level, it's so easy to be just like, oh, yeah, I rolled an 8, so that's a 39 stealth. Yeah. And it's like, nothing can see you at that point, except for Vine Lord, the Vine Lord. <laughs> you think there's, like, a... You think there's, like, a Vine Lord council, and that, like, you know, there's, like, a Vine, like, Vine Regent? Yeah, it's Cindy, top. duh. Uh, yeah, so, okay, yeah, yeah, of course, Natch. Yeah, of course Cindy sits on the council, it's Cindy, right? Yeah. And then there's, like, you know, elaborate rituals and ceremonies to determine, like, who the next Vine Regent will be once Cindy, unfortunately, passes from this world. I mean, I, I would hope so. Like, it, that that would, shine, like, like, say a lot about how, you know, their their society really is. Mm-hmm. Or is it more like matrilineal and like uh, Cindy like has a specific tendril puppet that she's really fond of and kind of grooms that tendril puppet to become a vine lord one day and eventually rise to vine regent despite the naysayings of her fellow council members. I think that's the next movie that we need to write. Cindy? Vine Vine Lord Cindy? Vine Lord Cindy. Um, What could this be called? And her protege. We can come up with a with a really kick ass title for this, I think. Um, okay. It's got it's got to feature. It's got to be like really dramatic, but also feature the name Cindy. All right, we've know? got ten seconds right now, and then and then okay. we'll and then we'll each we'll each pitch. Okay, ten seconds right now. I gotta write this down. Okay. All right. You want you want to go first? I'll go first. Um, I have. My my pitch to, to to the council of Vine Lords is, um, I am Cindy, a Vine Lord story. Oh, uh, see, mine mine's just doom and bloom. <laughs> That's really good. Hey, thanks. <laughs> doom and bloom. Well, because you know it, it's you know, it's a switch up of you know doom and gloom, but also yeah. you got doom, so like you know the ending of something, but the bloom is like a rebirth. Oh, oh it works no. on so many levels. Griffin. Very, very thematic. Very, like very art. Know, yes, from Cindy's doom, we see the bloom of her protege, Cathilda. See, that ended up being a lot better than I thought it was when I originally pitched the idea of Doom and Bloom. So no, I like that. It's that classic thing where it's like I tried too hard, I think, and came up with something just middling. But then, like the, that, like that, that hot instinct, that hot improv flavor comes out with something you know, with with. Yeah. It's simple. It's snappy. It's got depth. Yeah. Hey, I'm I'm Zach. I can't bloviate very long about things. What I can't come up are are, are, are snappy lines for things. That's where I come in. I'm the bloviator. Yeah, I, I, I'm. I'm. And that's a why. And that's why the show works. Slash uh, <laughs> niche slogan guy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You're also the guy who uh, helps me learn about all the pop culture references that I missed in my first uh, like 25 years of living. Yeah, you really didn't see much man <laughs> <laughs> but i watched the brave little toaster like 50 times yeah brave little toaster some hot shit though. brave little toaster kicks so it much ass really does it seemed for me it was all about the blanket but that's yeah, just blanky yeah. yeah all right well uh, all right well that that's uh that's that's vine lords and their and their tendril puppets oh those vine lords yeah um, man, it feels like we're we're just kind of coasting through, aren't we? Can't we believe are. it's already been half an episode. Oh, look at you know here we are. We're here we're, we are. We're at the the spot for another ad break. Yeah, and what ad is it going to be? I don't know. Let's spin the wheel. Play it. Hi, I'm Shifty Mercutio, owner and operator of Shifty Mercutio's pre-owned genies and genie resale emporium, home of the multiverse's largest supply of gently used genie paraphernalia. You know how many times people get overwhelmed by the prospect of three wishes and just choke up halfway through? What are those genies supposed to do then, huh? Just wait? Nah, 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 that's where I, Shifty Mercutio, come in. Every genie on my shelves has at least some wishes guaranteed. What? You don't take me, Shifty Mercutio, at my word? 
Well, listen to some of my partially satisfied customers. This thing only had half a wish left. How the fuck am I supposed to use half a wish? I thought I lucked out when the shitty lamp had a full wish left in it. I wished I was rich. It legally changed my name to Richard. Zero stars. This place sucks ass. My genie won't even work with me. I wish I'd never bought this stupid lamp. Oh, now you work? Now you work. Fuck you, piece of shit. What hot, warm, and words. So, if you're in the market for or in possession of a pre-owned or recently resold genie, come on down to Shifty Mercutio's pre-owned genies and genie resale emporium. Shifty Mercutio's. You get what you get. Don't throw a fit. <laughs> what a product and or service. It's it's amazing just how many products and or services have decided to sponsor us, Zach and Griffin, of Zach and Griffin's Multiversal Pet Shop, hosted by Ghost Light Media. Most definitely. And if you're out there and you're looking to sponsor a podcast, hey, hit us up, why not? Yeah. Or if you just have a dumb idea for a product that you want us to write a script, script about, I'm also here for that. And by that, he means we don't write the ads. Yeah, that's not Th- what I said at all. That's You misheard me. You can't tell, but I'm giving you a very threatening look right now, listener. Yeah, listeners. Yeah. Put them on blast, Griff. Get in the comments. Uh, Anyway, uh, we're back. We got uh, two more creatures for you. We're going to start with uh, some more small This is a weird one. This is a weird one. Um, But I'm really excited. (laughs) This is known as a cobble swarm. Now, now, don't get confused like I did with the Cobble Fright back in our Humblewood episode. Yes. And that, co- where that was a bird made of several different bird skeletons. A Cobble Swarm is essentially a group of, like, little brick mimics. Brimics. Brimics. Uh, <laughs> the, the art here, they're like, you know, little clumps of stone. Each of them have, like, one big eye, like, right, oh, right on the side. Oh, because they're cobblestones. Because they're cobblestones. Cobblestones. I get it now. Um, and they got a little... They are kind of cute. They are. They're kind of cute. They got a little feetsies on the side, and they all look like they have, like, a little, like, <laughs> horn or a little antennae poking out the top. Yeah, it's point. like a little, little spike. A little spike, which might be part of their trap. But we'll read more. The paving stones underfoot suddenly lurch and tumble over one another. Thousands of tiny limbs, pincers, and stingers break from the stony mm. surface and frantically yep. scuttle forward. Yikes. A cobble swarm is made up of tiny crab-like creatures. Hey, another crab. Oh, look at that. Crab-like creatures with smooth, stony shells. Individually, they are referred to as cobbles. Aww. <laughs> the creatures vary in size, shape, and color, but all have six segmented legs, a whip-like stinger, and a single eye. Ooh, gross. gross. Paving stone mimics. When the eye is closed and the limbs are pulled under the shell, cobbles are nearly indistinguishable from lifeless paving stones. Victims of cobble swarms are caught unaware when the floor beneath them suddenly writhes and shifts, and dozens of eyes appear where they should, uh, where there should be none. That's so scary and yeah. such a good creature. Yeah, you'd never expect the ground below your feet to just jump yeah. up and try and eat you. It's like it's like friend of the show Christina's famous stair mimic. Yes, the stair mimic. It's just a staircase. It is. But it's also a mimic. It's very good. Ah, that's brilliant. And the fact that it's a bunch of little tiny ones and that like, yeah, the, the pathway you're walking on just starts sort of undulating. Yeah. It better be gross. Some gross shit. Trap affinity. Cobble swarms have a rudimentary understanding of traps. They often hide in places where their shift and tumble ability can slide intruders into pits or across trapped areas. <laughs> and kobold tribes prize them highly for this reason. So it's, again, kind of like the bone crabs where you have you have other beings that just sort of attract you, you attract them to your area and just sort of form that symbiotic relationship with them. Yeah. They're not, they're not pets per se, but you've got... It's a business relationship. 
Yeah, so it's got a shift and tumble ability is as a bonus action. It can push a prone creature within uh, whose space it occupies <laughs> a five feet. Oh, no. Uh, and then whenever the swarm moves into a creature's space or starts its turn in another creature's space, the other creature must succeed on a successful DC 13 dex save or fall prone. A prone creature must make a successful uh, DC 13 uh, acrobatics check to stand up in a ah. space occupied by the swarm. I guess that makes sense because it's still all moving underneath you. Exactly. You, you, you can't keep. You can't get your balance. Yeah. You ever try to stand up like when you were a kid, and you, you ever have like one of like the the bridges on the playground, like the wood, like sort of rope bridge kind of thing. Uh, no. Or like the, or like the metal about. ones where like you know people would sit there and rock it. But if you ever fell, like fell, like there's no way you're gonna stand up. You were doomed. Yeah. You're just doomed <laughs> to sit there and have your fingers get pinched, and then you're gonna cry a little bit, and then people would make fun of you until fifth grade. Yeah. <laughs> no, the thing that we did, the the big peer pressure thing on the on my uh, elementary school playground was we had those little like zip line thingies that was just yeah, like, like a the gliders line. Yeah, but people would basically there was a short one and a tall one, and people would basically climb on top of the rail and then like you know sit kind of like with both legs on the same side reach down, grab the the handle, and then flip over and as someone was, like, getting ready to push them. Yikes. And if you could hold on, then you were cool. Um, and then, but, like, you could also then, like, risk it and climb onto the top, the top one, the tall one, mm-hmm. which was, that was maybe, like, you know, five whole feet off the ground. Yeah, man. Um, and that's scary when see, you're, when see, you're small. We were the, the flips off the swings type of kids oh yeah yeah, you'd ride the swing to the apex and then lean back and do the the tuck and roll out i would jump off of swings a lot but i could never do the flip yeah i love doing the doing the flip i I would i would get that thing going get get some distance on it i swear i've talked about this on this show before but did i ever tell you about the game we played where you would kick your shoe off and try to see how far you're yeah uh, yeah it's very called it we called it cloudy with a chance of tennis shoes (laughs) That's a good name. Yeah, and then I landed my shoe on the roof of the gym once, and then I was too chicken shit to like <laughs> tell anyone about it. did your mom get really mad at you or something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was too chicken shit to tell anyone about what happened to my shoe. And <laughs> where so is then, your like, shoe? And like, yeah, two periods passed, and a teacher was like, Griffin, where's your other shoe? <laughs> it's on the gym. <laughs> anyway, sorry. Yeah, it's very good. <laughs> cobble swarms. No, but cobble swarms, they're... Uh... I mean, they're they're kind of they're kind of sketchy. They're kind of scary. Mm-hmm. They're slightly poisonous. Oh no, it's just the, it's, uh, it's just it's just piercing apparently. It's just stinging damage. Yeah. There's just a bunch of them. It has that swarm mechanic where once they're down to like half hit points, they uh, they deal less damage overall. Yeah. Do you uh, uh do you think we could expound this into like a um like a like a like into like pavements? Like like pave like modern day paved streets. Like what do you mean? Like um, maybe instead of like individual cobblestones, like the little yellow dashed lines on the roads. Ma- ma- they're like little. They're like little yellow bricks that well, slot down see, into the see, road. What I was gonna say is, you know, if if like cobbles are looking for, you know, looking for like some work, like mm-hmm. use them at like airports in lieu of like the moving sidewalk thing. Oh, you know what I'm talking that'd about? Be fun, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it you just, just you get... just you step on with your luggage, and they just kind of sh- and, and they just <laughs> scuttle along and and take you down the way, and yeah, yeah. They'll have they'll have little hats over their stingers. Oh yeah, yeah. They've got a little bow tie underneath their eye, and uh, <laughs> they look great. Do you ever, when you were a kid, go on one of those things and like power walk it and be like, "Ha, I'm walking so much faster than everyone else." No, the first time I ever was on an airplane was when I was 21. Oh, what was that when you went to, yeah. uh, to Alaska? That was when I went yeah. to Alaska. That was my first and only time on an airplane. Yeah, see, it was yeah, there and back. Yeah, Adam and I flew a lot when we were younger, and uh, mm-hmm. yeah, no, I loved I loved moving sidewalks. I would, I would like try and run because then I'm like super. I'm like I'm the Flash. No, and I don't think when I went like I'm sure that they were around, but I think I was probably too self conscious being older 
to do that, which is a shame. I really wish I I, I would have done that now yeah. that I'm talking about it. Yeah, I still do it. I just act like I'm in a hurry, you know? <laughs> <laughs> like yeah, like look, oh, like, shit, like, like, like like look at your watch and sort of like power walk it. <laughs> There's the really good gif of the like four guys who are sitting on one of those like faced backwards and doing the row like the crew rowing. <laughs> That's very good. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. No, I I cobble cobble swarms could definitely uh, uh, get some. That'd be a good side hustle. I think. I was about to ask if uh, like what other what other things could cobble swarms be good for aside I mean, from like, very good pranks very good pranks let's dive into that a little bit maybe i mean like you know like you could ha- you know kind of like in um the first uh pokemon movie when mm-hmm. all the diglets come cruising down the street and like yeah. take professor oak and his bike way like you could like <laughs> move someone's car ever mm. so slightly yeah, yeah, yeah. And they'd be like, Cobbles- wait a minute. My car was you know, it was over there. But You you do that, you do you keep moving it just like slightly further every night. Yeah, just a couple spaces over every yeah. evening. You the cobble swarms uh the cobble swarm comes into your friend's apartment and each little individual brick picks up a piece of furniture and moves it six inches to the oh, left. Oh, that would be fantastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I uh, like I like subtle pranks. Yeah, um, the, the, ca- the the casual mind fuck is the best kind of prank. Um, you could, um, like if someone's being a shithead and like cutting in line, <laughs> just the ground just picks them up and moves them out. That's what. Yeah, the cobble swarm is like the go to sidekick for the the very petty small time superhero. Yeah. Writing incredibly small wrongs. Definitely. With their cobble swarm. There's very, like, when it comes to, like, small injustices, cutting in line bugs me so fucking much. Yeah, it's like... Well, because, like, we, like, here's a tale. We keep going on tangents yeah. in the cobble swarm section here, but I'm fine That's with fine. It. That's that's the podcast. So when we were working at Cedar Point, mm-hmm. you know, if you didn't have a car, you had to wait on the shuttle. Sure. To take it down to like you know to to the 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 the, the living spaces, mm-hmm. and so like you'd get there and you'd be you know like the bus like you you just missed the bus, and so you have to wait for the bus to drive all the way down the you know down the causeway, drop people off, come all the way back, and like you know that's like a fifteen minute wait after like you you sat there and like like you just got there, you're exhausted, mm-hmm. you like ran to the stop in hopes of catching it, you missed it. You're standing in line, and then, like, the bus shows up, and some people just walk past the line and get on the bus, and you're like, motherfuckers. <laughs> what the hell is your problem? You bitches. Yeah. No, it's never great. People who don't put their grocery cart back in the oh. uh, the little, the little you know, uh, spots outside. Yeah. The, the, the little, oh, God, I can't think of a good word for it. The little pens. Yeah, the I was little, like, yeah. <laughs> grocery cart pen little things like um yeah uh let's see what else what else really fucking just gets me up gets my blood running hot uh bank robbers i don't know well that's a bit that's a big injustice i feel like well not really because their money's insured and really the banks are you know uh monopolizing on people's need for security and their finances and it's really just a, a the whole operation's a sham to begin oh, with. so yeah. actually i incur i encourage bank robbers what i discourage is credit card like fraud like yeah that's just rude well because like because like, like like real talk someone got my credit card numbers like last fall yeah. And, like, spent a bunch of my money. And, like, I was watching, like, a documentary of someone who, like, rips off people's credit card numbers and spends money. He's like, they'll get their money back. It's like, yeah, but that that can take a couple days sometimes. And, like, when you stole a bunch of my money, homie, I was like, oh, that was all of my money. I yeah. didn't have much in there to begin with. I cannot get gas now. Thanks, friends. You shit dick. Shit dick. We're going to sick the cobble swarm up. It's like, yo, if you want to steal someone's money and, and say, hey, it's insured, go fucking rob a bank. Like, put your ass on the line, motherfucker. Yeah. And if you don't, our cobble swarm will find you. They will knock you prone on the ground. And they'll just and they will all stand, sting you. They will all stand on top of you and just jump up and down a bunch. Yeah. It won't feel great. 
It'll sting you, and you'll have a bunch of little holes in you. So don't, so don't, yeah, don't do it. Just don't. Just don't. Don't do fraud. Guys, don't do fraud. Don't do fraud. Hey, everyone. Bank, We've had a lot of fun fraud. today. We've had a lot of fun today. <laughs> this is Zach and Griffin saying, don't do a fraud, because if you do, we'll send the cobble swarms after you. <laughs> All right. Right. Beautiful. <laughs> Thank you, Cobble Swarms. You, you're, you're a, a, you are the most essential employee. Thanks, Cobble Swarms. Yeah, they. Thanks, Cobble Swarms. Yeah, they're first on the list for the vaccine. Mm-hmm. But like, just like a like really a really tiny dose. Yeah, it's a really tiny <laughs> dose. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, we're gonna bring things home with a good old fashioned big boy. I love a good old big boy. This is the, hopefully I'm pronouncing this right, Yechen Banog. It's Y-C-H-E-N. I'm going to go with Yechen. Yeah, damn, baby. Uh, This is a big fucking ox. Yeah. Or like they are gargantuan creatures. Uh, Yechen Banogs are massive ox-like beasts with thick woolly coats and great horns like the gods battering rams. They stand over 40 feet tall at the shoulder and weigh hundreds of tons. Despite their awe-inspiring size, these towering creatures are peaceful wanderers in the wilderness where their calls echo for miles. That's nice. This is just a. This is like a megafauna. Oh, definitely. Bull, basically. Jesus uh, Christ! I love that horns like the gods battering rams line. That's so good. They are considered the strongest beasts in the world. Legends are built on their sturdy backs, capable of pulling six hundred and seventy tons. <laughs> Or carrying 134 tons on their backs. Yechen Banogs are the strongest beasts of burden in the known world. Tamed Yechen Banogs can haul entire communities or even small castles. I was going to say, like, just build a fucking fort on this thing. Yep. And uh, and a clever dwarf with a Yechen Banog at her disposal can carve out enormous riverbeds, haul enormous stones, or reshape entire valleys with ease. Giants have a particular affinity with the Yechen Banogs. Yeah, makes sense. In times of war, giants sometimes build complex siege platforms. There you go, Zach, atop these beasts, making effective transport for small armies of giants. Thankfully, Yechen Banogs are rare enough that even seeing one in an army is a tale to be told for generations. When riled, a Yechen Banog can bellow loudly enough to shatter stones and knock down walls. Holy fuck, that's awesome. They're just they're just fucking mega bulls. Yo, they're so big. They're this kind, is a, they're kind I, I, of real cute like Oh no, like you don't get a good sense of scale from this picture, so it just kind of looks like a big friendly cow. Yeah. But this cow is bigger than my house. Oh, definitely. They are Oh, what's a really nice small touch here? Condition immunities, exhaustion. Yeah, that's fair. I just think that's a really cool touch. <laughs> uh, they have ever sharp horns. The Yechen Banog deals triple damage dice when it scores a critical hit with its gore attack. Um, for those playing along at home, that would be twelve d eight. I mean, but it's yeah, that makes sense because it's gore attack. You know, would you know, go through my entire building right now? Yeah, that would that would remove your head from your body. I mean. M- if it like that would remove your body from your body it's horn going through my head would be like if you took a railroad spike and somehow managed to put like a pee on top of it <laughs> fair solid good good analogy hey thank you with the Yechen Banog takes the dash action, it can move through the space of a larger, smaller creature, treating it, treating the creature's space as difficult terrain. Um, as it moves through the creature's space, uh, it can make a stomp attack on that creature. Oh, bud. But they are peaceful creatures. That's the nice. Yechen Banog abhors combat and flees from it if possible. If unable to flee, the Yechen Banog can attack a foe or obstacle to clear a path to safety. As an action, a driver or handler mounted on the Yechen Banog or adjacent to it can attempt a DC-16 animal handling check. 
On a success, the Eshin Banog moves and attacks as directed by the driver. On a failure, the beast flees. The driver or handler must have proficiency in animal handling to attempt this check. Oh, shit. So you have to be real Again, good with animals. Very good. Really touch. good details coming from Tome of Beasts. That's yeah. why I love this book so much. No, it's very cool. Uh, yeah, they gore, they stomp, and they're uh, destroying Bellow. Oh, t- shit. Um, it's basically like a thunder breath. Yeah. Uh, delivers a fearsome bellow that can be heard up to 10 miles away. Structures and unattended objects in a 60-foot cone take 55 thunder damage. Creatures take half that and are deafened for one hour. Uh, DC 18 constitution save for half. Shit. Big fucking mega bowl. Yeah, or 55 or 10 D10. Yeah. The, the dice there is 10 D10. Jesus Christ. Big friendly cow. This is my new favorite thing. Very fluffy. Four horns. Well, it's got the, four beautiful it's got hooves. like the bull horns, and then it's got like the big ox horns, you know? Yeah. Hell yeah. It's so cute. It's it's very cute. And I love the little peaceful aspect. I love that these things can step on entire towns, a la the Tarasque. Yeah. But they don't they don't wanna. Yeah. They're not down with that. They just kinda wanna live their life. And uh maybe um we talked about this on our on Yeehaw Pet Shop, the episode. About catablepus milk. Yes. You think Yechen Banog milk is, like, real good? Yo, I, I think so. Like, you know, like, when... I, I believe there's, like, I don't know if it's a superstition or if it's a factual thing, but depending on the temperament of the cow, like, if it's in a good mood, mm-hmm. like, it will produce, like, better milk. Like, I think, I think, I, I think it's peaceful disposition. Like, it's just gonna give primo milk, you know? That's that, that's that ambrosia milk. Yeah. That's that good, yeah. sh- that's that good that's shit. That good, good. The capital G, capital S, good shit right there. As our boss would say, yes. Yeah. I just am trying to imagine seeing one of these in real life. Like, like in, in one of the many cornfields we live around. Just seeing, just seeing this thing just, out there. <laughs> oh, oh god you go your car sort of shakes as you're <laughs> yeah. driving by. like the, the tailpipe falls off well, like. yeah you know those things like they have to sometimes put like in airfields like if there's like a highway nearby that like shoots the, oh, air the like the upwards. ramps yeah, yeah. The, a big a big ass field has to just be surrounded in those so anyone driving <laughs> by doesn't get wrecked by this thing's fucking moo <laughs> the mega moo. The mega moo. <laughs> oh no, this thing's so adorable, though. It, yeah, it's they just got, seem friendly. Well, it's got that big sort of yak kind of shoulder to it, like, mm-hmm. like it's just a mixture of so many wonderful bovines that I just want it to be my friend. <laughs> it does say in that little descriptor they have these thick woolly coats, and we're seeing that kind of around the like front of its body yeah but maybe less so on the like because you're seeing a lot of the musculature on this picture yeah um and maybe kind of around the hooves as well the hooves. but i bet that stuff makes like you know insanely that's like that's like everest climbing yeah. gear you right just there. take a little bit of that and like you've got you can like fill a mattress yeah, it's that scene in SpongeBob SquarePants where they shave Sandy for yeah, her for fur. winter. Yeah, and like and Patrick just, just walks out with just like the headband of yeah, like the taped headband with the covered in fur. It's like that. <laughs> like you just need that, and you're good to go. Yeah, and n- no other clothes, just that one headband. No, of, you're fine, and you're good to go. That's it. I love it. You're solid. You're solid. You're good to go. Oh man. <laughs> Well, and no, I know, yeah. I know it says the... Go ahead. No, I was going to say, you take one little band of that, and you look like, uh, was it Cousin It from the Adams Family? <laughs> yep, yep, yep. It says that, like, giants, obviously, because they're gigantic, work with these things a lot. But in that peaceful creature blurb I read, talking about the driver or the handler, mm-hmm. you know, it doesn't specify a giant. So, like, you could just have a normal-sized human or someone yeah. up, uh, up on that, up on those horns, just, like, sitting between those two little horns. Yeah, just, just kind of pulling. <laughs> It's like, all right, all right, Bessie. <laughs> all right, big Bessie. Whoa, girl. Whoa. Shit, if these things rear up and then stop oh, back you're down. Oh, fucked, dude. That is, that, is a, that is a tectonic 
just shockwave. Oh, definitely. Front. Yeah, it would wreck everything. That's some earthquake shit. So what I I'm hearing this... is that we're both obsessed with these things. I love this big cute cow. Oh, I love this big cute cow. <laughs> it's got the like a, it's got the like archetypical cow ears too that are just very floppy and yeah, cute. Just... <laughs> and then your eardrums fracture. Right, right, right. I feel like they can dial it in, you know. <laughs> or it's or it's like <laughs> one more time. <laughs> <laughs> Or it's the um, they they moo at a frequency that like cannot be heard by humans. <laughs> uh, so they they just yeah it's 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 subsonic. <laughs> the last the last joke I want to make because we're almost we're almost at the end of the episode. I feel is um just like a, a choir of these. Just how bassy that would be. A bunch of these like Gregorianly like. Like, like the chance yeah. yeah just call yeah. dse ready dse la oh i want to talk about these for a more but we're at i think we're at the end I th- of the episode i think i think we're at the end all right bye well, itchin banogs hey we will see you, you another time there itchin banogs we love you what a what a treat most definitely Big, big, beautiful cow. Oh, Eight big, horns. Twelve hooves. Cow. I'm mm. a big fan. I'm very hyped that we that we're 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 looking at these pals, and I hope that we can exactly. we can find some wonderful homes for some. Indeed, indeed. If you've got a mega farm, you know who to call. It's or you're interested. If us. you're also interested in getting a mega farm, give us a call. Also, also us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're really expanding our 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 our, our, our portfolio here. Mm-hmm. Well, everybody, I believe that's going to do it for this episode. If you have enjoyed the show, uh, f- please, you know, spread the word. Tell a friend. Talk about. It, give us. Send us a tweet. Just being like, "Hey, hey, boys, I like you guys. G- good up." And we'd appreciate it. Definitely. And, we, and we'll go. Thanks. Uh, if you like our show, ch- uh, perhaps uh, consider checking out some of the other shows on the Ghost Light Media Network. I'm talking shows like Another Path, like Shakespeare, like I Missed It, like Imprinted Echoes. All fantastic. And if you're hungry for more content, uh, you can visit our Patreon at patreon.com slash ghostlightmedia, where every month a uh, bonus episode from one of the shows on the network is released and uh, for the month of January, that is Zach and Griffin's Multiversal Patch Shop. We are slated. We are slated. So um, so uh, if you want more, even more content from us, I mean, I'm like, of course you do. Definitely. <laughs> how how could you not? Then, uh, or if you even want to just toss us a, a, a dollar or two every month, man, we'd super deeply appreciate it. Oh, Every def- bit goes a long way. Most definitely. Well, uh, other than that, yeah, check us out uh, on Twitter. So if you're interested in seeing any uh, particular creatures talked about on the show, uh, send, us a, send us a message uh, at Pet Shop Cast. Um, and we have been known to dedicate entire shows. To, uh, if, to there's a, if there's a, a video game, a tabletop game, a, a book series, a movie that you think has really cool and interesting creatures, let us know about it. And we'll, uh, and we'll, we'll, cre- we'll put you in the credits of that episode. Beautiful. Well, I think yeah. we're good to go. I think we're good to go. We've got some big cows, got some small crabs, some smaller stones, stones. and some medium-sized tree friends. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> thank you all for listening. I have been Griffin. I have been Zach. And just remember, everybody, at the end of the day... Why, it's all about love, baby. It's all about love on down here on the bayou. Have a good day now. Yeah, no, yeah. Thank you all for listening to episode 56 of Zach and Griffin's Multiversal Pet Shop. If you enjoyed the show, consider leaving us a review or telling a friend about us. You can find us as part of the Ghost Light Media Network over at ghostlightmedia.net or on Twitter at Pet Shop Cast. On our website, you can find 
links to our merch store and Patreon page, which helps support all of the Ghostlight Media shows and the freaking phenomenal people who create them. Speaking of which, thank you to our patrons Roger, Everett, and Nate for your continued support. We'd like to thank Nikki Does Puzzles for making our theme song. You can find her SoundCloud at Nikki Does Puzzles or at Nicole Voice on Twitter. We'd also like to thank our friend Rin for voicing the ads you hear on the show. You can find Rin on Twitter at Rin underscore Moran and on the Imprinted Echoes podcast as part of Ghostlight Media. We'll be back in two weeks with another episode. Until then, send Zach some well wishes, some good mojo, some good vibes, some uh, get well cards maybe to our P.O. Box in Denmark. Maybe not that one with the international mail and you, you get the point. Bye. This has been a Ghostlight Media production.